Hello everybody, Jordan here, the PH is silent, and in this episode of the Saturday Morning D&D Show, I am not here, uh, but Lucian is with special guest host Danimal DM from Down Under, and they talk about all of the like, tons of information that has come out uh, for D&D stuff. Baldur's Gate 3... There was a new leaked Magic the Gathering uh, setting for D&D and Unearthed Arcana to talk about. So it's a jam-packed episode. I hope you enjoy. Position. Unmuting our audio. Welcome to this morning's Saturday morning D&D show. We have a doppelganger with us. Something has happened to our guest host. Or nothing's happened to our guest host, our regular host, Jordan. (laughs) (laughs) But Jordan wanted to be with us today. In fact, he's actually with us a little bit. You will see him in chat just a tiny bit. But he has an important duty to take care of today, which is taking care of baby Oliver. So we had to look far and wide to find a <laughs> guest host to come in. And though LB definitely was, was on the list, I decided to go much further. So far I had to find an Island on the other side of the globe to find me a guest host to come in. And so we brought in Danimal DM, our, our Australian dungeon master. Danimal, say hello to everybody out in the Saturday morning community. G'day. Hey, hello, everybody. I am Danimal. Um, you may have heard of me a little bit. Lucian's said my name here and there. I DM him every now and then. Hey. Yeah. And for all of you Australians, it's probably not Saturday morning for, for all of you that are watching, but that's great. Welcome to uh, Sunday <laughs> evening or Saturday evening. One of those. Uh, Whatever. Sunday 4 a.m. It's Sunday, 4 a.m. So welcome our Sunday community. <laughs> so, well, thanks for being up at 4 a.m. in the morning. But uh, um, we got a lot big show today, so I'm, I'm hoping you're excited. Yeah, I'm pretty pumped um, that I'm awake at 4 a.m. But <laughs> I, with my uh, actual occupation, I usually wake up at 2 a.m. anyway. So it's cool. not too different. I'm a cool. night owl. Well, one of the big news for today is it is a leap day. We're in a leap year, and that's important to us in the Dungeons and Dragons community because we also know that that it's Chris Perkins' birthday. So we wish happy birthday to Chris Perkins from the show and all of the cast and all of the members that have ever showed up. We're all I saw on Twitter. He said his phone was blowing up with birthday wishes, which is cool. So he is definitely a leap day baby. February 29th here, which is really cool. Um, and so we say thank you, happy birthday to them, and hopefully we get some more adventures from them and stuff. It'd be really mm. cool. He's not ready to retire yet. He's been there so long, though. It's crazy. I can't. I don't want to think about the day he decides he's going to retire because I've always really enjoyed the stuff he's put out. And uh, I, I keep waiting for his new show to start. He um, <clears throat> he was teasing it at the beginning of the year, the changeover. Mm-hmm. But haven't heard anything about it since maybe I've missed it. But uh... yeah, no, I'm hoping they're live streaming it. I'm hoping they're putting it on the mm-hmm. D and D channel at some point. I haven't seen it yet. I've seen the cast and they've talked a little bit about it. Um, they did a, a round table at one of the um, conventions. I was thinking one of the PAXs, I think it was, or I forget which one. Um, but yeah, I'm curious to see him back at the seating because he's always fun as a as a dungeon master. He's got that that nice mm-hmm. little cruel but funny kind of bone to him that he kind of does stuff with his, his players, which I think is awesome. So. Yeah. And um, 
how long did spurt live for only 11 days yeah i was like yeah yeah somebody was talking about they need the the a book that was based on everything everything spurt knows just like you know uh uh, guide to everything with uh, Xanathar. Mm. So we did Spurt. He's like, well, there wouldn't be much there. Because <laughs> I was curious as to how old Chris Perkins is. Because there's that old joke where, like, uh, after like 16 years, there are only four because they've only had four birthdays. Right. What is he in his 50s, 40s? I don't know. Probably, yeah. But yeah, divided by four, so he's definitely, mm. you know, maybe closer to 10, age and days 11 or there. 12. Yeah, <laughs> he's a teenager. <laughs> He's a teenage mm. warlock right now because he was born Indeed. on the day is what we think. So, all right. So we're going to do our regular show. I will intersperse some questions with DM so all of you out there can get to know him. Uh, he's been a huge fan of the show right from the beginning. I got to meet him because he was watching the show and a fan of mine and Jordan's doing stuff. And we did the Seeking Revenor campaign and he was one of the people that signed up and wanted to play in it. He got to play his character in it a couple of times here and there. And from there, it kind of developed, and he eventually I got to play as a player in his game. So it was uh, kind of how it all started. So community member that's all come together, become friends, and it's been great. Mm-hmm. And uh, boy, did we get up to some wild shenanigans in our in our group. So it's, if you haven't <laughs> seen that, you should check it out. I'm sure he'll. I'll give him a chance to plug all that stuff when we when we get around to it. But let's get to the news of our Saturday morning D and D show. Cause there is so much going on. Like they Thank gave us an unearthed arcana, right? And normally that would just could absorb the whole thing, but we've got a ton more even than that, but let's start sure. there. Let's start with unearthed arcana. So we saw that we have an artificer armorer specialization. We've got the Druid circle of stars. And we got the Ranger Fae wanderer, hmm. which one I'm, I already probably know, but which one grabbed you the most when you read through this, which one really leaped out at you? Well, when I first did a glance, the armorer jumped, yeah. jumped at me straight I away. <laughs> I, after I delved in a bit more, I definitely got swayed more by the stars, but then like, I guess love the idea of the armorer. The Fae Wanderer mm-hmm. did not pull me at all at the beginning, but then once I read it a bit, some of the things I really liked, and it had one mechanic that I really enjoyed. Mm-hmm. Specifically, um, it, it mentions that whole thing where you can imbue your weapons and make it not only magical, but gain a D6 of psychic damage. But it specifies weapon or weapons you're holding and specifies that you can combine it with the bonus action attack that you would mm-hmm. normally do. So a lot of times these abilities step on the action economy where hey you've got this new ability that uses a bonus action sorry if you wanted to do hunter's mark or misty step or extra attack with two weapon fighting but with um Mm. i like that it specifically called out can be combined with the two weapon fighting attack so that was good yeah i always would run into that uh they would step on my bonus action when i wanted to be a barbarian and you've got a rage initially, but you want to use that bonus action to do some other cool stuff. But mm. nope, that first turn, I got to get that rage off. And I've got to get the rage off. If I roll low in initiative, that can be a really rough first turn for a barbarian. Yeah. If they can't get that rage going. So yeah, I definitely see that. Um, and not everybody gets really good bonus action stuff. Like I guess the thief has a lot of things to be choosing that they could be doing with their bonus action. The, mm-hmm. the ranger is starting to have a lot of, a lot more things they could do. The monk has some things they can do with their bonus action, but not all the classes utilize that a lot. Like my wizard didn't have a ton of 
you know, bonus action versatility at all to choose from. So it is interesting, but I think it's true. I think most people gravitated right to the armor first because everybody leaped to now I can play Iron Man in, you know, D&D. And actually you could because Jordan actually did an Iron Man uh, character that you could actually get to it by certain combinations of spells and multi-classing and, and doing some things you could eventually get there, but this like gets you there. Like, you know, level two, I think, or level three. level two or three when you're picking your, your specialization uh, for the artificer. And so that's kind of cool. So you get a really cool imbued armor. I wonder if we'll ever get something that's similar to the armor, but it's all weapon-based. So it's all like cool things you do with just creating weapons, making weapons, and it's all. So you have the armor, your weaponsmith, your, you know, these different, then you have your toy contraptions, or you already have your turrets or your, your yeah. homunculus or your other stuff. So I wonder if they'll, they'll do that, but it's crazy too. But what book would this even go in? Because artificer is in Eberron. So you as a dungeon master have to decide you're going to allow Eberron content in content in your campaign, assuming you're not playing Eberron. Maybe if you're playing Eberron, it's no big mm. deal. But if you're playing <clears throat> forgotten realms and you're like, well, my players want to play an artificer, like, you know, we have one in our group. Um, yep. You have to let that content in, but where would this show up? Is this going to be in a book not related to Eberron? Is this going to be in a book? Would you put a subclass in a campaign world not related to Eberron? I wonder. What do you think? What, do you think they would? Well, what kind of book is this going to go in? It, it naturally, like it leans to Eberron, <laughs> but um, yeah, it's it's difficult to say. Um, it might just be in a generic like um like you know like xanathar's where it's not necessarily specifically themed but here's a whole bunch of subclasses that i have come across over the years mm-hmm. um i think what would work well if we are getting a xanathar like thing uh the name is blanking on me now but um you know from um uh it was a character on um acquisitions incorporated the one that was that was jumping from different dimensions uh, she, she oh vi vi yes vi yeah i forget the full yeah. name but vi yeah jeremy crawford had that character artificer mm. vi which was yeah. a really fun cool character yeah uh, like that would work well as a book of hey here's all the weird things i've seen on all the different yeah. planes and all the different places i'm I not like sure that. if it's gonna be but it would work yeah, I think that'd be a good way to fit that in. That'd be kind of cool. I mean, or it's maybe we're going to see an additional Eberron book in the future. Because to me, I always thought if we saw an Eberron book, we might see one. But I didn't necessarily see them creating three or four or five to continue to support that campaign world. But maybe I'm wrong. Maybe they are really going to have several books that are going to support the Eberron campaign world. Maybe they're going to have... Because we're, you know, when we see some other news, they're already creating books to support some other worlds that are out there. So it wouldn't be too far-fetched to do that. So it'd be very interesting. Eventually, next week, I'm sure Jordan will probably talk about it because he's a huge Eberron fan. And one day, one day, we're going to have the the creator, good old Keith, on. Uh, He said he would come on. It's just I got to try to get a schedule that would work. So it's going to hopefully happen eventually so no, but, but that's cool and drew to the circle of stars i mean it's mm. to turn into like a starry form and to deal with the constellations of the world and as a dungeon master you can kind of work out what those things are well um, what i what cool. i particularly like about that one and a lot of the subclasses actually it's something that jeremy crawford's brought up a bunch that trying to be 
like trying to almost force players to be creative with their character mm-hmm. creations. Like mm-hmm. it's saying, hey, your star book can look like this or this or anything that you like. And mm-hmm. a lot of the like artificial stuff is try and theme it in a cool way. And I, I do like that they're pushing that a lot. Yeah, yeah. The abilities give you plenty of room to theme. They're not just telling you the firebolt must look like a fire arrow that mm. flies through the, the air and hits something. They're really leaning towards more encouraging you. You have this ability. Now you tell us what it looks like, or you tell mm. us what the contraption thing is that holds it or whatever. So yeah, I do like that that change. And I feel like that's a a philosophical change for them. That's something that might be a core tenant that we eventually see if we ever do get to D&D 6E. I bet mm. that's a core tenant they start from. And that'll be a big difference between when you're looking at what 5E looks like and what 6E looks like. I bet they lean more in that direction than they have in 5E. Yeah. I bet they lean more that way. So that's pretty cool. But so you guys can find that out there in the Unearthed Arcana. I'm sure there'll be a survey out. There's already surveys out on the previous Unearthed Arcanas. And we've seen a lot this year already. We're already like part three at this point, part one, two, and three. And um, all these ones are out there and we've still seen these haven't got into the book. So there's lots of subclasses floating around for us to try out in our campaigns and do testing and give them feedback on what we think. They're always typically going to be a little overpowered for you dungeon masters that are out there. So just be ready for that. And don't be surprised your players want the old version of UA because they know it's overpowered too. Ours, ours is constantly lobbying for that because <laughs> once they do get in the book, they usually bring them down in line again with the rest of what's going on, but they start out pretty powerful and fun and cool. So be ready for that, but put them in your games, let your players play around with them and then give uh, wizards of the coast some feedback on what you thought, what you liked, what didn't kind of mesh well in your campaign or didn't work well at your game. So mm-hmm. that's super cool. We could even spend more time, but we got plenty of news. So we're just going to keep right on going. So we saw a book, um kind of rumor or uh what we call that a leak happen and then it got taken down and now i don't think it's out there if you can find it but it was called the we saw a picture of it it's going around on twitter it's out on our discord if you're out there looking around for it we have a great discord discussion about it but it's called mythic odysseys of theros and it's very greek covered it's got like almost like a hydra on the front with a very kind of greek armored god-like or or cool champion hero fighting it and there's like some weird star kind of mix in there almost a little bit like you think that druid circle of the stars but you know that that kind of part of your form is starry material Mm -hmm. of some sort it's a really cool evocative fight scene on the uh the cover so a bunch of people jumped on it some articles got written and everybody's like oh we're gonna get this greek themed you know, campaign. Is this what we're about to hear about? It's been rumored about in May. So we're still a few months from even finding out if it's true or if it's real, that's when it's going to come out. But I noticed, and I think a lot of other people, I wasn't the only one, plenty of other people noticed the little icon in the top left-hand corner matches the Theros icon for the card set, Magic the Gathering. We already know they put out a Ravnica book. We know that they have this other huge property that makes them tons of money, which is called Magic the Gathering. It's fantasy worlds. It's fantasy planes. It's all the kind of stuff that would be perfect for jumping into a D&D game. And they've slowly been mashing it together. There's even been some other unofficial articles that were out there. I guess they're official. Like they had Dominari and they had a couple of other ones, but they were just PDFs. They weren't released as books. Ravnica was really the first one. But then the newest uh, expansion for cards right now is called um, Theros. I think it's called uh, Beyond Death, Theros Beyond Death. 
and they're telling a story in this card pack of some legends and some myths that are happening in this Theros world. So it's a, it feels to me like it's a tie-in to Magic the Gathering. And uh, what do you think when you saw that picture? What would you like about it? Or what, what, where'd your mind kind of go when you when you saw it pop up? Well, my brain went instantly to Ravnica. So mm-hmm. I assumed it was going to be similar in what it released, which meant a bunch of races and maybe some new spells, maybe some subclasses, maybe some of the subclasses we've yeah. already seen. I saw a few posts saying, hey, this subclass would fit well with that. Maybe that's what that means. But I think that's mm-hmm. what's being said about everything. Like whenever a small like flavor of something appears, everyone's like, oh, that must be it because of these subclasses match it. But then they keep changing their minds. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm excited because Ravnica is one of my favorite books they've released as far as just a content book, as far as giving you stuff for DM and players that is useful and wanted. There's plenty of players that have come to me and said, hey, in your, in your uh, Seeking Ravnica world, can I play this from that book? Um, there's cool classes in there. There's cool subclasses. There's cool. And Ravnica is about this big mega city. That's basically a whole planet or a whole plane. That's just one big giant city. Whereas Theros is going to be different. So we're going to get a different kind of field. So we had like a mega city kind of campaign book with, with tons of guilds and lots of guild action and lots of, um, urban stuff that could be going on. Whereas Theros could be something that's very much, you know, a different setting. And it could be more like when my mind jumped to things like Clash of the Titans and mm. and all of those cool, you know, the Great Odyssey, that whole Mediterranean area of our world, I could see a good Mediterranean area fitting into, yep. you know, a Dungeons and Dragons world. There's just plenty there for us to explore and do and add to our games. Or you could, as a dungeon master, add a Mediterranean spot to your map right so you can have all these things and you can explore so maybe this book will help us filling those out so i'm excited because so far the magic the gathering books have given us plenty of dungeon master stuff but also plenty of player stuff to make it a pretty successful book it's not like we were just talking about um descent to avernus or if we're talking about um maybe someone like storm king's thunder or tomb of annihilation typically those are books that players aren't buying there might be one or two things in there. There might be a new background. There might be a new race or something, but for the most part, there's usually it's meant solely for dungeon masters because it's just a big campaign with a big adventure and players typically aren't going to buy that collectors will buy it. Other people buy Mm. it, but they're not all buying it. Right. Players love to buy anything that gives them more options. So I'm excited for that to see that. I think it's cool. I think, um, more Magic the Gathering. Now, you have said, I think we were talking a little bit, how much Magic the Gathering have you played previously? Well, I bought my son a deck for his birthday, bought myself one, and then my other son was upset, so I bought him one as well. And we've played that like a whole bunch, but mm-hmm. we haven't really gotten into any of like the lore, really. Mm-hmm. I've had a little dabble with the online games, like the... Mm-hmm. Um, the Arena, Magic the yeah, Gathering. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I... I I keep meaning to get more into it, but I haven't. Yeah. What'd you think of the art on the cards though? Like when you're oh, as a dungeon master who's watching stuff and you're, you're laying things down. Yeah. Did that. Yeah. I love them. They That's like, what... it's beautiful artwork. Cool. I, I got, um, every time you said that whole idea of doing a campaign with the guests. Yeah. I, I get that. I still want to do that. I still think it'd be kind of cool. I wouldn't mind. um, I'm still the one thing I'm missing from Magic the Gathering with Dungeons and Dragons is a way to play 
a mage planeswalker that is picking the colors of the magic, but that translates into a tabletop role-playing game, not just a card game, right? The card game does it great because you can have, you can be like, oh, I'm going to play this uh, red-black deck. You know, you're like, okay, cool. I've got this new green-white deck that I put together that's all creature-based and really cool. I love how that works in the card game, but I would also love to see that system some way, somehow in a tabletop role-playing game where we could be like, Oh, okay. You're playing this person and you're, you're real creature based. You're going to bring up a lot of pets and things like that. And your, your white black is the mana you're drawing on and, and how that works. And then I can be like, I'm going straight fire. Cause I just want fireballs and lightning bolts and, you know, uh, meteor strikes and all these cool things that are just big, direct damage, fiery things. Yeah. Um, I would love to see that in a, in a, a version of that in a tabletop role-playing game or how D and D would handle it if they were going to bring those planeswalkers in, in the five colors of magic and mixing and matching. So, but I'll take the campaign worlds. I'll take that as, you know, <laughs> that's what I'm going to get. That's what I'll take. So black deck Beautiful. all the way. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. You got to play that death, you know, you got zombies and vampires and werewolves and all kinds of cool stuff in there. So Indeed. I love it. All right. So if that wasn't enough, that, that normally would fill out one of our news sections and we'd be happy or we might be saying you know i wish we knew what their next storyline is which i do or hey we haven't heard a lot of news yet that's all we had but let's you know uh, maybe we'll get some more in the future we got dropped at and i forget what the it was a gaming convention of some sort of gamescon or something like that i forget which one you can find it on youtube because it's all over the place now but they dropped another cinematic for Baldur's gate 3 that definitely blew me away like when I yeah. watched this, I was like, that is the Dungeons and Dragons game I want to play right now. Like, yeah, immediately. a little better than think? the Dark Alliance trailer. Like that yeah. was much less jarring. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The Dark Alliance one was, that could have been anything. That could have been any action fantasy. That was World of Warcraft. That could have been, hey, you know, any, any game, you know, and it was fine. But this one just grabbed you as being Dungeons and Dragons. You know, it was just like, this is what Dungeons and Dragons is. And this is what, what I feel like eighties and nineties Dungeons and Dragons was for me because we, we started playing, but we quickly moved into using some of the spell jammery stuff or using some of the planes walking stuff because we were ready to get fantastical. Like we had done a bunch of adventuring. We'd done a bunch of that stuff, but now we're really start to stretch the limits of our imagination. Mm -hmm crazy weird things that are out there and that's what that trailer reminded me of if you oh, hadn't I, I seen loved it, it. yeah it made, it made me do a bunch of uh quick research i was like i had no idea that gith rode red dragons and i was looking up all that about how they made a deal with tiamat and to it, fight yeah, yeah the, the elephants yeah i loved mm, it and just the idea in your mind you might think about how maybe something like that works or you might just have this idea that oh okay so they would attack you know, their ships and their ships would attack them and try to enslave them. And I get that as a concept, but when you see the dragons come out of a portal chasing it, and then they grab onto the side of it, rip it open. And then you get a breath weapon on the inside and there's, and then they, they do the, the cool string pop that makes the Nautilus ship disappear in that shadow thing. I'm like, come on, how have I never thought of that? That is Oh, all yeah. the biomechanics were just really good. How like yeah. he did something to do something with all the innards of the Nautiloid. It was very yeah. well done. I love that. And they made the Gith character look super fascinating and super interesting. Like I was immediately like, I want to play that character, the one that's trapped 
not the Liza. one that you're getting the, 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 you know, I don't know who her name is. I'm sure we'll find out in the game eventually, but the way they made it made her very just like, Oh my God, this is a cool character because sometimes you get gith artwork. And it's a little, little um, more angular. It's a little bit cruder. I think in some ways it's a little bit more, you know, a little more alien. And that's cool too, mm. because you want something to be different. But this one felt very, like I wanted to know about this character. When I saw her struggling and she gets the tadpole put in her eye and yeah. now you're trying to figure out what the hell is going on. I'm like, I yeah, want to know was, that story. I was definitely pulled in by her character. And uh, what was, uh, if you watched uh, the two hours of gameplay footage, uh, her name's Lizelle. Oh, there we go. And um, like my brain instantly went to, She's on this ship, and if you looked around, there were a lot of mind, dead mind flayers just lying down on the ground. Mm-hmm. So I assume that something we didn't get to see was that they were previously attacked somehow for some reason. She yeah. was part of the attacking force, and she got captured. That's my guess. Yeah. But, um, yeah, it was really cool being introduced to uh, all the core characters in that two hours of footage, mm-hmm. as well as um, the ability to make your own character. It reminded me a lot of the beginning of Skyrim because the mm-hmm. way that the trailer interacts with how the game works is as he, the mind player is walking up to you and getting ready to put the tadpole in your eye, that's where it cuts to the character creation. Yeah. And then it cuts back as he walks away in the dragon's attack. It was, I loved it. It was great. Yeah. I'm super interested to see because any game you're going to play and you're going to make an honest attempt at recreating Dungeons and Dragons, your character creator's got to be super robust with all the possible options. And like in that trailer um, or in that gameplay, the character they build, wasn't it like some type of vampire character? Uh, that was a, um, that was one of the origin characters. It's called, yeah. uh, his name was Atar- Antarion. Yeah. And yeah, so I thought that's cool. Form. Where do we get that? <laughs> yeah. A vampire that can walk in daylight, a daywalker kind of thing, kind mm. of cool. So I was like, okay, I already mm-hmm. want to know about this. So I didn't go through it as much. I know um, many of you are probably scouring through all of the things and, and re-watching it to catch all the cool stuff. And I think it looks really good. I feel way more confident than I did before about hearing about the game because sometimes they make these games and they're good, but they're you know, there's been some companies that have stumbled on some of these. I mean, I love Neverwinter Nights. I love the Baldur Gate series, but Neverwinter Nights was really my favorite of them. And it looks like this one, they're really putting the, the, the kind of love. Now I have heard, you know, some people are kind of groaning a little bit, you know, how the internet gets when it's not exactly the thing they want. There'll be some people out there and they don't like the idea that maybe the combat's more turn-based, more like, um, divinity original sin kind of version is the thing i've been hearing everybody compare it to and that is a different style of game maybe you want more of a hack and slash diablo style maybe you wanted more of an mmo you know world of warcraft style but i think we're going to get something that's more of a hybrid in between that because they want to keep in my mind they want to keep the dice rolling in the background they Mm. want you to still feel like it's dungeons and dragons and for it to feel like dungeons and dragons Dungeons Dragons combat is just turn-based. It just is. That's just how it works. And uh, I, as soon as I saw the battle start on that gameplay and saw that it was turn-based, I cheered. I am a massive fan of all the turn-based, like all the old tactics games mm-hmm. and like Fire Emblem, XCOM. I, yeah. it's, it's definitely one of my preferred genres. And I love the, um, in the gameplay footage, he does two attacks in a row, both that said they had a 90%, 90% chance of missed. missed them both. That is just so XCOM. 
Yeah, yeah, I love that. And I love to use the the mage hand to push the creatures away. So you know your players are going to start wanting to ask you, hey, can I use my mage hand to push things? Yeah. <laughs> you know that's coming. So oh, yeah. it, it was exciting. There's plenty for you to see out there. Um, I meant to look up whatever the release date was to put it in the notes, but I totally forgot to figure um, out. I'm one pretty more. sure there isn't one yet. Maybe I they haven't announced it. Yeah, I have. I should have researched it, but I can't wait till we do get it. It looks pretty robust, so it doesn't mm. feel like it's two years away. Maybe it's still a year away, but it doesn't feel like it's something that that's that far away. It looked pretty solid. It looked like they had all the assets in. It looked like lots of the mechanics were working. They, it mm. sounded like they were still in the bug and fine tuning thing, but I don't know. Maybe uh, we're going to see it sooner. Maybe it's a 2020 release. Maybe it's a 2020 I release. Yeah, the, I, I loved. Um, it was it was actually really nice. It's something that I remember. I think Jordan was saying in previous episodes about implementing of the five E rules and how mm -hmm. like he played he played a game which was exactly like the old rules. And then when he played a game recently, it wasn't. It was like tech trees and stuff. Yeah. I was so happy to see that they had like actions, reactions. There was disengaging, saving throws. Bonus actions. Yeah. Yeah. Advantage. It was yeah. it was great. I'm 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 sure it's going to, if they do it right, go well. But yeah. um they were talking about early access. And then I think they were referring to early access on Steam. Mm. And so I as soon as that finished, I hopped on Steam and added it to my wish list straight away because definitely. Yeah, it's it's a buy for me for sure. That cinematic sold me. I even like the cinematic they put out just before that one too to kind of oh, get this, things hyped up. That was really the good too. Uh, Ceramorphosis yeah. is that? How you yeah, say? <laughs> yeah, because that had some cool stuff in it too. But this mm. really sold me. This I'm I'm interested in seeing what the game is. Um, yeah. I'm interested in being able to create characters and play a a true five E engine run computer game to see how that goes mm -hmm. for when all my buddies can't get together and play real dungeons and dragons because that seems to happen all the time because everybody's schedule i'll have something to lean back on and go through and play some adventure all yep. although i did see that it's four player co-op mm. so maybe some of us need to put maybe a little play a little gameplay up on our channels maybe saturday morning D D will will gather together four co-op like people and maybe run through this and see how that plays that because that can be pretty yep. cool I know Jordan will buy it. I know he's into it. He, he was really, we were excitedly talking about it um, through Discord in the last couple of days now. And uh, it's been super cool to see this just drop towards the end of the week. And uh, so it's pretty cool. So we got a cool cinematic. We got some cool gameplay footage for Baldur's Gate 3. We got a book that um, is a possible release that we is rumored to be released. We think it's a leak. We think it's an official leak. We don't think it's a faked leak um or at least not fake like somebody created it but it wasn't yeah. wizards it looks like a wizard's production um we got an unearthed arcana uh subclasses so that's tons of stuff that's not all we still have more news or at least a little couple pieces before we move on there's going to be a tales from the loop show and it's going mm -hmm. to be on amazon and how yeah. cool is this how much are you familiar with Tales from the Loop is one of my favorite. You can see it behind my shoulder there it is. right now. <laughs> it is my favorite. Jordan loves kids on bikes, but that's my kids on bikes. Tales from the Loop is yeah. so good. The artist blows me away with his art style. And that book is, if you don't ever play the game, buy the book just for the artwork that's in there. And how cool is it that we're going to get an Amazon show? Are you excited for this? 
Yeah, there's there's a tally of Amazon shows that are just increasing the likelihood that I'm going to get access to Amazon soon. Um, I'm still I'm still hooked on uh, Netflix and Disney Plus, mm-hmm. but eventually I'm I'm probably going to have to add uh, Amazon to that list. But um, yeah, I I um, I wasn't terribly familiar. Like I've seen a bits here and there about Tales from the Loop, but it definitely my first impression is always Stranger Things. Like yes. that's, that's that's the yeah. first thing that comes to mind, but uh, I love the idea of it and everything I've read about it. Tales from the Loop sounds yeah. awesome. Yeah, and it's like show, this eight, show yeah. looks trippy. Yeah, so like an 80s feel, but then kids are wandering around, but then there's some weird technology thing going on with this loop that everybody's attached to. Um, and it's a cool idea. Of it, it throws me back to, it. it's like the imagination of... Um, Lucas, it's a little bit of imagination of Spielberg. I feel it's like Simon, the the author of that, and I forget his last name. I should have wrote it down. Uh, Simon, oh, it's right on the book. Probably can read it. <laughs> uh, well, the book's from Free uh, Free League. If you haven't got it, um, but mm. he does such a good job of capturing this. Like he's got like these eighties Volvo cars, and a person getting out, looking down the road in surprised wonder at a huge robotic thing walking across the road. It just, he captures this really cool eighties technology matched with crazy technology we've never seen before, but it all seems to match and the colors are great. So it's really cool. I love how his artwork works and they're going to make a whole show about it, which I can't even wait to see what the show is about because it's, it's about weird things happening around technology. And those are always really good shows. Um, in some ways you get that with stranger things, like you said, because stranger things is weird things happening around technology. They're doing, they're playing around with power sources. They end up ripping a hole to somewhere. I won't spoil it too much for those of you that watch stranger things, but if you haven't watched stranger things, get out of the show. Cause that's one of my favorites of all time. This three seasons, you've got to go watch it, but mm-hmm. technology acting weird and creating weird um, interactions with an 80s town you know so i love it so i can't wait to see what this is uh, we'll have to see that it's supposed to be in april here we are in at the end of february last day of february we got uh, march coming up and then not too long to wait for this so it's gonna be really good well it's I'm, march for me right now so pinch the punch there you go so just one more month for you to just <laughs> wait it out i am with you though too because i am netflix hulu disney plus and Amazon. Those are the four. And I've got four services going right We now. don't have Hulu here. We're not special enough in Australia. You don't get Hulu in Australia? How do you watch all these shows then? <laughs> uh, well, I, I know that the... Like um, Brooklyn the Nine-Nine is, or, or... Well, that's on our Netflix. Like, um, oh. so I've, the uh, the rights for... That's, that's why you can't have one streaming service for every country in the world because... Before there are streaming services, it was like the rights were being sold. In this country, it's owned by that person. In this country, it's owned by that group. In this country, mm-hmm. it's owned by that company. And so our Netflix is different to American Netflix, which I very much noticed when I went to America. I hopped on American Netflix and I was like, oh, you get the extra stuff. Oh, this isn't fair. Yeah. <laughs> you have to use those um those vpns to make it look yeah. like you're coming from a different yeah different area we so. did for a bit it was a bit iffy we canceled it <laughs> yeah <laughs> so that's gonna be cool we'll have to see what that looks like um i'm excited for it we they dropped the trailer for stranger things 4 already so i'm excited mm. for that um, russia russia that's gonna be really cool <laughs> 
Um, so that's, so that's sweet. Now I, I did notice a note. We had a note in our show notes here. Jordan was mentioning cause he got to talk with last week. If you guys were here for the show, we had Ted from nerd immersion on, and they got to talk quite a bit about D and D stuff. And they took quite a bit of their segment up talking about possible video game releases because they had that news announcement that they wanted to put out three or four or five more computer games based on this property in the in the next coming years right so in the next four five six ten years there's going to be a bunch of these games coming out and they were really kind of conjecturing on is you know is it a good thing is it a bad thing what are the things that they might see what kind of cool things we are for me i didn't get to, to really converse on it too much but i think they covered it pretty well i didn't have yeah. too much that i was going to throw in except for I'm excited if they try to tackle a few different genres of computer games. So if they want to attack a MOBA style game or they want to attack, like we already got like the, the XCOM style, the, the turn-based moving around. So that's cool. But I wouldn't, I wouldn't be disappointed if they tried to go an MMO route. I wouldn't be disappointed mm-hmm. if they tried to do a card game based on Dungeons and Dragons stuff. So they already know how to build card games, even virtually the the magic the gathering arena is a fantastic virtual card game that you can get in for free and just have a lot of fun playing um with really good artwork and really cool in-depth mechanics that get your brain really thinking are you trying to influence me yes yes i'm saying you should play it every now and then me and jordan have played um and it's fun because you can just play against your friends and you can say oh i've got this weird deck i threw together and and you can have fun i i it's a way that I've connected with my nephew. It's a way I've connected with my brother because I don't play games with my family as much, but Magic the Gathering was the one game we did play with each other. So I wouldn't mind a, a Dungeons and Dragons card game. But what I don't want is I don't, I'm hoping they don't do is send their license to a bunch of mediocre game developers. And all of a sudden we get like five versions of iPhone games that are terrible they have the name dungeons and dragons but other than that relate in no way to what's going on and like you know it's like candy crush or something or it's you know and it doesn't have anything to do with dungeons that is that is an interesting point because um are you familiar with all the games from games workshop yes because they did exactly that. that they they split up their ip and was like you guys you small company you get this one character you larger company you get this space marine chapter you big company you get the whole everything and i would say probably about 60 to 70 percent of those games workshop games are not good right but a whole bunch of cream rose to the top and there's actually some really yeah. good ones. You can there. find some good gems. I'm a huge game workshops fan. Um, mm-hmm. I, I could have a whole Saturday morning games <laughs> workshop show for sure. So maybe if there's some other people out there, maybe I'll do that at one point. Cause I, I love playing the fantasy, um, you know, their Warhammer fantasy game was really good and really evocative. I love the story behind it, but they make really good games and I, I wouldn't mind, being able to talk about that other passion too at some point, but you're right. They allowed their license to be bought up by a lot of people and some really kind of cruddy stuff got thrown out in the process. They get swept under the rug. You don't have to Don't look at those. They're bad. So (laughs) hopefully that doesn't happen, but wizards of the coast has had it happen to them too, though, because they've done things like back when it starts to get popular in the late eighties and nineties, 
all of a sudden it's Dungeons and Dragons lunchboxes. It's, you know, it's all kinds of stuff going everywhere. And it's like, everything's licensed to it. They just want to make toys and they want to make little trinkets that kids could buy and, and do all this. And they're just, it gets super saturated with what their, their branding goes on. I hope they're, they're a little bit more, more of a connoisseur of who they pick to work with these days. And uh, maybe they have the clout to do it going around because it's so popular. And I think what happens is the pitfall is we're so popular. Everybody wants to be a part of Dungeons and Dragons in some mm. way, but they don't really get it. They want to be a part of the popularity, but they don't really want to be a part of what it really is, you know, playing yeah. the game and, and the memories and the stories and the things that we get to do. That's Dungeons and Dragons more than it is. Mm. Oh, we all have cool baseball caps and we have, you know, pens and pencils that are, have Dungeons and Dragons on them. Or all of a sudden we get coffee makers that have Dungeons and Dragons or we get, you know, just like weird stuff that doesn't necessarily. Although some of you out there are probably like, well, I want a coffee maker that's Dungeons and Dragons. <laughs> <laughs> hey, if, if I, I had my way, that would make a, uh, that would make a turn-based strategy game on the switch which is my preferred medium i love just going mm-hmm. randomly places with it but like an all enclosed one like yeah like you can you can dumb down the graphics if you want but like you know I, i've always been a fan of games like advance wars and mm-hmm. all those handheld tactics yeah, fire games. emblem fire Final emblem, fantasy yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. All chrono trigger all that kind of uh, stuff love yeah. it I, I, oh that's a different style as well i would love a dnd game of that as well <laughs> yeah with chrono trigger jrpg yeah yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah, so, yeah so i think that's our news for this week i think we covered a lot of the cool stuff that was out there i didn't even get to go and there was so much going on i didn't even go and watch half the videos that they would have put out on the the wizards of the coast channel i'm sure there's plenty mm. out there Keep an eye out because I'm sure Jeremy will be back and they'll talk to us about what they were thinking about with their Unearthed Arcana. That's always my favorite thing to watch after it comes out because I kind of read the rules, but then I get the idea of what they were trying to do. Whether they were able to do it with the rules or not, I can at least see what they were trying or where they were starting or what idea they were trying to wrap their heads around. Mm -hmm. And and sometimes you can just, that's inspiring for, you know, a dungeon master Mm -hmm. to hear those kinds of things. So. see the creative backbone of what yeah it was knowing how how it started and, and then you can see how it ended up and go oh i see how they got there maybe i don't like the way it worked but i see how they made that leap you know i, I see where their logic went so all right so normally we have another section here at the very end though i think what we should do is learn a little bit about danimal here just a tiny bit so i'm going to throw some rapid fire questions at you that you're not even prepared for at all so here we go did you, starting with your Dungeons and Dragons career, did you start as a player or a dungeon master? Dungeon master, definitely. I'm that guy who, when you get a new board game, get a new anything, oh, look at the rule book. They just hand it to me, knowing that mm-hmm. I'm going to teach them how to play. Well, the most recent one is Mysterium. Super fun game. Um, I'm always the guy who has to read the rule books for board games. So when somebody got Dungeons and Dragons, my brother-in-law, he's like, oh, and started reading. And he's like, here you go. <laughs> now, was this a recent thing that you've gotten into Dungeons and Dragons or how long? Yeah. Have you actually been um, I've been playing Dungeons and Dragons for about two and a half years. So I'm relatively new. Sure. But I've definitely been very familiar with it over the years. I've played a few video games here and there. I've definitely mm-hmm. wanted to play it and had I, I knew I had no one around me that was interested. But that is something that I love about today's 
climate where we can play online so easy, as I'm sure you're quite aware. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, finding players before, because when I, I had played a lot early on, but then got out of it, um, was playing computer games and all the other stuff that was going on, mostly because it was hard to keep groups together, or if you move to a new place, it was how do you find a new group that you're going to play with, all that kind of stuff. But with the advent of me deciding to jump back into it, and really was watching Adam Coville play and um, or, or Adam Coble doing his Roll20 stuff, Matt Colville talking about being a dungeon master and and kind of getting in in the very beginning of Critical Role because what I was really watching was um, uh, they were doing the the tabletop board game show before they started Critical Role on Geek and Sundry with uh, Will Wheaton and I was mm-hmm. like I, I was like oh my God Will this is the coolest thing I mean I love you in Star Trek don't get me wrong but this is a cool thing where you're showing us how to play board games and how fun people are having and I've been missing out on this I need to get into this. And they were doing a couple of um, tabletop role-playing games because they they did like, um, I want to say they did a Dragon Age one-shot. They did, he did Titan's Grave, which was another role-play game. And they did some other things. And then Critical Role came on the channel and I was like, I want to play D&D again. I want to get back into it. So this is back when they were starting. And I was like, all right. So I looked around for a group and couldn't find it. But I found online tools through Adam playing Roll20. And once yeah. I found Roll20, that opened everything up for me. Because if you're having a hard time finding a group in your local area, your friends or your coworkers, or just mm-hmm. your hobby shop doesn't have that kind of scene, don't worry. You can jump on Roll20 and you can play with people anywhere in the world. You yep. can find a group of people to play with. And that's, I love it. That was also what inspired me because I stumbled across Adam Coble because we were cheaping it out. We weren't, we weren't actually buying any of the books or anything. So the very first thing I ran was the, um, like the first few missions of Adventures League, like the very first mm-hmm. one, The Tyranny of Dragons. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, God, how am I supposed to do this? I want some help. And I Googled online and found that um, him and his group actually did like the first 10 Those missions. were good adventures. Yeah, those, that yeah. was really good. And I was just like, I was copy paste. I was like anything novel or interesting that was outside of the, what mm-hmm. the document had that he did. I pretty much was just straight up emulating, but yeah, um, yeah he definitely, um, and hell, I guess straight up followed him. Cause after that he did tomb of annihilation. Mm-hmm. That's the campaign I ran. And then he did water deep. And then that's the campaign I ran because. Yeah. <laughs> I, I love the guy. I, he, he is when anybody asked me of like who have been my two inspirations to become a dungeon master. Cause I had only played before then. Like I'd played back in the eighties. I'd played in the nineties. I played all these role-playing games, but I was never a dungeon master. Right. It wasn't until I saw those two and they really said, if you're having trouble finding a group, just be a dungeon master, just do it. It's not as hard as you think it is. It's really fun and fulfilling and you're really going to enjoy it. And when I finally jumped in and did it, the first one I did was Numenera because I was just looking at games that were out there and it was, there was a popular scene popping up with Monty Cook's games. And so the very first game I ran as a dungeon master, a game master, and it's up on, on my channel, YouTube channel, you can see I run Numenera and I fall in love with dungeon mastering. I fall in love with the idea of crafting adventures and getting players together and, mm-hmm. and running through the whole thing. I, I can't believe I waited so long 
to try it. You know, I waited so long to do that. So it's really cool. That's cool. I love your origin story for, for being a DM too. That's pretty fun. And I'm sure you're, you're not even going to look back at this point. You're just going to be playing a bunch of games. Now, have you started already looking at other role-playing games you're thinking about, or are you still just super invested because it's only been about two years in Dungeons and Dragons. You're just still diving into Dungeons and Dragons. I'm definitely more invested in D&D without a doubt. But I um, I have, you know, I've, I've looked at a few others. Numenera actually intrigues me a bunch, as mm-hmm. does a game that I've definitely tried to dive into, but I don't think I can find anyone to play with me, is, um, oh, I've forgotten it now, The Burning Wheel. Again, yeah. because I've watched Adam Adam Coble play it, and that looks fun, but the rule set is quite complex. Yeah, that one's and daunting. It looks it looks fun though, and I've made a couple of random characters here and there, but uh, <laughs> yeah, it's roll twenty. You can find the players if you want. Yeah, and then um, the other thing that I've looked at is, and my actually my wife is considering running is uh, Call of Cthulhu. Very popular. Very popular. In fact. Yeah. I have noticed um, it's very popular in Europe, very popular in the Pacific kind of areas like Japan okay. and uh, there's that whole kind of Southeast Asia scene. There's a big, huge Cthulhu role-playing game scene going on there. And uh, that's a good one. I think that'd be fun. Eldritch Horrors, you know, sometime in the 20s or 30s or 40s, wherever she wants to set it. That'd be mm. pretty cool, pretty fun. So... Um, well, that's pretty good. Well, what was the first D&D character you played, though? So you've uh, been first, a DM, but you must have played. Yeah. Well, uh, not including a one-shot, because I'm not going to count that. My first D&D character is one that I'm still playing. Uh, his uh, name's JJ. He's, um, he's a uh, human bard, and he's exceedingly annoying. <laughs> Imagine that, as all I bards have- are. I have right here something that I grabbed from an op shop. Is uh, a little, it's a little thing that I use when I um. I love props. Do your spells? <laughs> yeah, I'm actually playing that uh, today. We uh, we started with Lost Minds of Fandelva and are uh, moving into um, what's it called? Horde of the no, not Horde of the Dragon Queen. The one after it, Rise of Tiamat. Rise of Tiamat. Are you guys doing the? Let me let me switch here. The Essentials Kit, did you do all that Fandelver stuff too? Because that's extra Fandelver adventure stuff. Well, that's what my son is currently running. Oh, that's right, we, yeah. Yeah, we we have the Essentials Kit, and um, we got it for my son for Christmas because he was like, I want a DM, I want a DM. And, and how like, old is hey. he? Um, he's turning 11 in August. Okay, so awesome, 10. I love it. And he's, you know, he's he rushes, and mm. he doesn't read everything properly. And I'm like... Okay, I'm not telling you how to DM, but normally in this kind of content, they would say what the rule would be for here or what the DC would be. No, no, it doesn't. It do- it's a DC 12 <laughs> check <laughs> every time, but he, he loves it. And he's actually putting his own like little twists in and saying, okay, I'm going to change this and do it like that. And I, it's great. In that one, I'm playing a uh, paladin who keeps critting a lot my dice love me my oh. players hate my dice <laughs> nice well then i'm glad we play with you online so you don't get that that problem with us <laughs> i was horrible <laughs> last week I, I don't think i hit you guys last week no but the week before you hit me every single time and, and killed my halfling twice so it was definitely crazy <laughs> we'll get to that we'll get to that so that at least <laughs> gives you a little uh uh 
information on Daniel Demon. I love that you have a son that's at 11 that's interested in the game and playing. I love that you play with family. I love that you're into it. And, and being newer is actually really good because I think 5e is a great time to be in this hobby. You don't have to bring any of the baggage of um, early editions, you know, basic or ADD. All those were great and fun, and I have great stories from them. But I think 5e is really good, and it's well, a great time to bring people in. Something that I find is, and I'm an admitted, I'm a rules lawyer. I, I definitely, <laughs> I will, uh, I will take that on the chin, but I find that um, a lot of the time when people confuse the rules or get a rule wrong or whatever, it is often because they are influenced with their memory of fourth edition or third mm-hmm. edition. They're like, doesn't it work like this? And mm-hmm. I don't have that problem because I'm too new. So yeah. that's a benefit so far, but then when sixth edition eventually comes out whenever, or if I play another role-playing game yeah. like Pathfinder or Numenera, I'm going to make mistakes left, front and center, yeah. I'm sure. But, yeah, but it's we'll fun. See how it goes. That's great. Yeah. So, all right. So we typically move into, right after news, we get into our Bardic Inspiration, Bardic inspiration. session. Yeah. <laughs> One of these days we'll have like a whole banner. Maybe I'll play a little film clip and then we'll come back, you know, when we're Bardic famous inspiration <laughs> yeah yeah it'll be like the one uh uh the and now you know or the the one that the more you know yeah <laughs> they'd be perfect a little rainbow and a star going across the screen yep but my bardic inspiration this week i had a bunch of them because there was so much going on but the one i really wanted to clip onto was this idea of the the benjamin button campaign and the idea, this is this is the construct. So for you dungeon masters out there that want to run with this, I'd love to hear how you take this idea and run with it, or if you've already done it, because I'm no idea is really original. Everybody always has these same ideas. But this idea where you start your players at level 20 and you make them make their characters, probably a campaign that works better with players who played before, maybe not necessarily just spring it on somebody who's never played Dungeons and Dragons. Have them create their characters from one to 20 and have them keep a log of what they chose at level one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. So it's really easy to know what they lose when they lose one of their levels. And the premise of the adventure's short campaign is they're at level 20, something has happened, and every session they begin to lose a level. And they have to solve the problem, hopefully, before they get all the way to level one, because if they lose that level one, the characters just disappear and they, as if they've never existed. And so right. my idea was the other thing. So it's a mystery more than it is a combat thing so that you're not so worried about crazy 20th level powers. You could throw some in to let them feel, you know, have some fun. But yeah. the real m- main thing of the campaign is a mystery of why they're losing their levels and how are they going to find a way to kind of stop it. And I thought that would be a really fun way to, to see what the players would do see really powerful characters begin to get less and less, see what it looks like when they lose this thing and they lose that thing and how they react to it. Um, and I feel like it'd be just a, a fun way to try to do a campaign. So if anybody tries mm-hmm. that out, that was my bardic inspiration. That would be a cool campaign to try. It could be done in any system. I was just thinking of it as in Dungeons and Dragons because you go up to level 20, but obviously it could be in any system. Um, what do you think? Do you think you would try to play in a in a, what would you make if I said, damn, well, I'm going to run this and you're, and I would tell you, you're going to lose a level every time, but you get to make a 20th level character. What are you going to run with? Maybe no I, multi-classing to keep it easy. Uh, you broke me. <laughs> <laughs> I was, was going to say I would definitely multi-class a whole bunch. Cause that would be fun as well. I guess going, 
I'm not a rogue anymore. I don't know how to pick locks and stuff <laughs> like that. And um, ah, man, I don't know what I would run. Definitely something level 20 is daunting, especially for a spellcaster. I would, I would want to lean to something away from spellcasting, but then my love is bards. Bards is my favorite class. So I would probably. So start with a level 20 bard, just see where you my go from there. there. That'd be yeah. interesting. Very cool. Although Very the, cool. although the 20th boost for a bard is a bit lackluster. Ah. So. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So what was your bardic inspiration? Well, mine was actually in a similar vein to what you had the idea of. Um, mm-hmm. it, it, it came to me when I was uh, watching the, um, the Baldur's Gate 3 trailer and the Baldur's mm-hmm. Gate 3 gameplay footage. Um, the, it definitely the gameplay footage, spoiler maybe, I don't know. Um, it's, um, it's talking about um, they have these, you know, these tadpoles in their eyes, these mind flayer things, and they have, a, they have a limited amount of time. They've got to get to somebody that can heal them. That's what they're well, trying to implied, say. We've got to get... It's implied they're, yeah. they weren't sure, but it's implied they're about to turn into yes. mind yeah. flayers if they don't do something. Yeah, I like that. And so it, it feels like they have a short time left and they, they've got to quickly do something to stop that thing. And that's definitely where my um, brain instantly went. I was like, it could be anything. It could be like a mind flay. It could be you've mm-hmm. taken a virus. It could be like um, you've been bitten by a zombie in the old school, you know, walking dead kind of way. Um, but my brain also went to a movie, which it's not a great movie, but it's, it's a fun movie. Crank. Have you seen yeah. it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. he has a limited <laughs> amount of time. He's got the adrenaline yep. thing going in him. But once it dies, his heart's he going to stop or something. Yeah, He has to try and find this guy who has the cure. And I definitely love the idea, both with the Baldur's Gate thing and with Crank, where the thing that has gone wrong with them is actually powering them up and making mm-hmm. them stronger or faster or hardier. Mm-hmm. But it will eventually kill them. And so, like, it'll either be a one-shot or a small campaign where they've got to either find the source of it or the cure or trying to do what they need to do with the small time they have left and mm-hmm. that there is a hard time limit. So that would be interesting from a mechanics perspective, as in, are you going to take a short rest? Are you going to take a long rest? Ooh, <laughs> how many long rests can you take before it, eh, you know? So yeah, I Very definitely cool. like the idea of that. Yeah, and they wouldn't know necessarily the exact, so... yeah. There's the pre- built-in pressure, um, built-in tension that you can build into the crescendo of your, your campaign, and it'd be pretty cool. So I like it. That's a cool idea. So for those of you that are out there and you you take that idea and run with it, let us know how it worked out. Or if you had a similar idea and you've already ran it, tell us what how it worked or what pitfalls you ran into or what was really cool about it in the comments and uh, kind of share that and help just inspire all these other dungeon masters that are out there that are looking for content that they want to add to their game or things, new ideas that they could do uh, for their games. So it's pretty cool. So at this point, we typically jump into what we did in our games that we played. The nice thing about it is that me and Dan will play it in the same game. Um, and even though we're, we're towards the end of the show, Jordan's not here. So if I want to go over a few minutes, I can go over a few minutes. So <laughs> he'll, he'll, he can scold me later. I'll take it for you guys. But um, we got to play on Tuesday night. We switched to Tuesday night. Um, We will do a non-spoiler at this point. Usually towards the end of the campaign, we do spoilers at the very end. So we'll try to stay non-spoiler for now. Mm -hmm. Um, We switched to Tuesday night, which has been really good. And we're playing a Waterdeep Dragon Heist. But 
it's not necessarily a spoiler. You can go back and watch the episode if you want. The big thing that happened that obviously was fun, you hinted at it a little bit during at the beginning of the session, me and you talked about it a little bit after. You decided to combine all into one, which I think is brilliant, acquisitions incorporated into Waterdeep, Dragon Heist at the same time. Because it works out when you get the Troll Skull Manor thing establishment or if your dungeon master gives you something else because they they can kind of fine-tune whatever happens it's a perfect fit for an act ink storyline to be piled in at the same time too but what what is it because you like that book so much that you really just wanted to get it into the campaign or what was the catalyst for you on that well much like what you're what i think you're trying to push with bardic inspiration like being inspired by things around you um, in the past, I don't know, six months, I've been really catching up on all the acquisitions incorporated content. Mm-hmm. And so like, as of like two months ago, I was caught up with all their live shows mm-hmm. and, um, I've actually been listening to a bunch of C team. Yes. I love that. I, I started that recently and I was like just perusing through the book and I really love it. Um, that was part of it. Mm-hmm. Honestly, though, another part of it was a small problem that I found because, as you know, this is the second time I've run Dragon Heist as mm-hmm. pretty much everything that I run Lucian through, <laughs> I have already run my home group through. So I did Tomb of Annihilation with my home group and then I did it with him and then I did two, uh, Waterdeep and then, yeah. So um, a problem that I ran into was the idea spoilery you do get some form of property mm-hmm. and the idea that like what if what if there's a tpk or what if a character dies or what if somebody is like hey i don't want to play this character anymore i think i might leave and make mm-hmm. a new character all of a sudden you have no rights to this property and it's something that has been in things before where it's like whether it's property or you don't have any links to the group and you're trying to figure out a reason like, Hey, all these people are like stuck in their ways, but then yeah. Let's so bring I another was think- person in. Yeah. Yeah. And so I was thinking of a way of assigning it and like as a gift, but at the same time, you don't exactly own it and things may change. And mm-hmm. so I was thinking about that and I'm like, Oh, what if you're a part of something? And then as I'm flicking through acquisitions incorporate, I was like, yes. And so I've, tweaked it in a way where you now are actually applying to be an acquisitions incorporated member whether you like it or not mm-hmm. and honestly i was a little worried because i don't like shoehorning uh, sorry i don't like um cornering my players you mm-hmm. have to do this thing but i definitely did it in this situation <laughs> <laughs> but um but yeah so the idea that it's it's going to bind you guys as a group but yeah. again, if somebody needs to leave or if somebody doesn't like their character or if somebody dies, oh, you've been assigned this new person. And so yeah, it also HQ allows... You can send in another person, exactly. which is really cool. Yeah, I like it. Because that, right. that was also something that was interesting in Tomb of Annihilation where once you're in the tomb, you're very... What do you do? Yeah. You're very, well, there are... It does tell you a few ways, but they're definitely very... A wizard contrived. did it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> They've been here all this time. They were here with a previous expedition. I, um, the, I think the key one is like, um, if you remember, there was that mirror that things yeah. could get. Yeah, a similar thing like that where you guys come across something. Hey, look at that Kenku there in that in that painting. 
That's weird. Mm-hmm. And as you walk past, the painting falls down, smashes. Hey, I'm a Kenku. Yeah. Can I join your party? Let's go fight yeah, a sir. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. So that's cool. I, I actually liked it. Um, I'm a huge fan with it. So I'm going to dive right into it. But you're right. You got to kind of think about what kind of players you've got because Ack Inc. is a certain style of game, which is yeah. a really fun style. Many people are going to like it, but there will be people that maybe aren't into that style either. So just, you know, try to feel yeah. out your players, try to have a good idea. Now, our our Indeed. group is usually when Danimal throws us something, they lean into it. We've got a lot of crazy characters that that like to just lean into their character. And they've been having so much fun with killing people with chairs. And, and oh, you know, they're joking about the halfling all the time. And uh, I'm sure I'm going to kill at least one or two of them before the adventure's over, just to <laughs> prove a point. Uh, you know, so we, we kind of... but. The, the key I'm going with that is our players are really good about picking up what Danimal's putting down. Like, so he's putting something down and he's like, okay, let's run with that. Let's, let's go with that premise. So that's really cool. So I enjoyed that. So that's our Tuesday nights. It's a really fun game. We are now smashing together acquisitions Inc in some ways. And, but we're really diving into dragon deep or uh, yeah. Water deep dragon heist. And uh, I can't wait to see how that plays out. It's going to be super yeah. fun. And it's cool because I like how Daniel says, I've ran it with two groups, so he gets to kind of compare, well, when I ran mm. it this time, this happened, and when I run it this time, this happened. So maybe at the end of this one again, we should have you on, and we can talk about, like we did with the differences, like here's what it was, differences-wise with Tomb of Annihilation. Here, we'll do a spoiler show or something where we say, hey, this whole show's spoilers, and we can talk to you about it, because I'd love to interview on, on that and just say, what did you think about this, two groups running through it, and what did you think about well, this? One one thing that's already happened with Dragon Heist, and I won't delve too into it because spoilers. But you remember that particular um, instance of a um, something you weren't ready for, and mm-hmm. you thought, "Hey, what is that doing there? That looks way overpowered." Mm-hmm. Um, I let you guys have a uh, a long rest before heading into that area. Oh because, yeah, because my party of four nearly TPK'd hard mm-hmm. and. I was definitely going a little easy on them at that point because I'm like, uh-oh. <laughs> but um, you guys still, yeah. even with the long rest, you still had trouble. It's we pushed, well, dangerous. we pushed too far, too fast. And uh, yeah. that happens when you just go from, you you snowball from one combat to combat to combat and you just yep. keep getting yourself in trouble. But I also like the idea that we're not too cautious because sometimes we did it a little bit in Tomb Annihilation where we wanted to do one room and then rest, and then do one room and mm. rest. And that's not necessarily the way it should be done either. But you definitely have to be care, careful about pushing too far, I think, Agreed. too. So that's really cool. Yeah. So those are the games I played. Now, did you play any other Dungeons & Dragons uh, last week? Uh, yeah, I I actually regularly play about three to five times a week. It's great. Oh, there I, you go. I, I definitely played too much um arguable um so i i play um like i said i'm playing tonight uh well today probably your night um i'm playing um the we're we're leading into rise of tiamat now we've just gotten Mm -hmm. to level seven or eight and uh, we're heading to neverwinter and that's supposed to be taking place today um i play essentials kit every my monday your sunday with my son Mm -hmm. We're mm-hmm. nearing the end of that, I think. I play with you guys every uh, my Wednesday, your Tuesday. Yep. Um, every my Tuesday, I play with my home group. They have finished Dragon Heist and are up to like level three in Mad Mage, where I'm assuming you guys are wanting to go eventually. Mm-hmm. 
And lastly, I play Curse of Strahd with my other PC that I get to play, my uh, mm. Arabella, my uh, my human barbarian. Very oh, by the way, I love humans. I'm sorry. I'm that, Ver- I'm are that you doing guy. variants so you can grab feats at the beginning, or do you just love yeah. humans? No, yeah. no, no, no. Uh, uh, Power game in it. <laughs> I try not to, but honestly, <laughs> we're doing Curse of Strahd with three characters. Mm-hmm. I'm a barbarian, and the other two are bard and sorcerer. And we're in trouble. We're in big, big <laughs> trouble. <laughs> it is That's not awesome. a good. It is not a good uh, cohesive group for that campaign. Someone should have been something. Yeah, a bit we different. were doing a big part of Tomb Annihilation when I played it the first time with three characters. And let me tell you, that is tough with only mm. three characters. It you were also crazy. a barbarian, though, right? I was. Yeah. The ima- did you come into a whole heap of situations where if you didn't run in front and rage, you your team would have been in big trouble? Oh god, yeah. I, yeah. yeah, especially against zombie T-Rexes and mm. uh um the big feathered one. Um what was the name of the 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 main Oh, uh, the King of Feathers. King of Feathers. <laughs> The, That's fun. The giant frog hemoths, yeah. um, hordes of zombies, yeah, just everything. And and even fighting Yeon T at levels four and five are tough because yeah. of how badass they are. Yeah. So all right. But, well, we can go the entire day for sure. <laughs> um, Jordan's probably giving me the big cut sign. You're eight minutes over. He's probably going spastic. So we should go ahead and shut this awesome thing down. Jordan's going to have your legs broke. Yeah, probably. (laughs) He's never going to let me do it again. I can see him in the camera now. Um, But I want to say thank you so much, Daniel, for coming. I hope you had a ton of fun on here. I'm sure it won't be the last time, maybe down the road. And uh, maybe we sometime we can get you over to Gen Con with us to hang out at some point. It would be super cool because you're going to PAX Australia, which sounds really cool. PAX Australia. There's no tickets on sale yet, but we've got our accommodations. So So you guys can see them. If you're going to an Australian gaming convention, keep an eye out for Danimal. He might be out there. You can definitely check out his channel on Twitch, which is Danimal DM, capital DM, and you Mm -hmm. can find him on Twitch. So that's our show, folks. Wish Chris Perkins a happy birthday on Twitter. Go check out all those news items that we saw. Definitely be in the comments and tell us Keep the conversation going. We want to hear about your campaigns. We want to hear about the characters you're playing. We want to hear about all the cool stuff that you're finding on the internet, all the sneaky stuff that you say, hey, I think this book's releasing or I think this is releasing. Give us all that good stuff in the comments. Jordan says he wishes he could be here, but he had the the Oliver was definitely more important at this point. And I agree. We got to make Oliver grow up to be the best DM ever. So that's what he's doing. He's whispering all the rules into his head so that he learns them as he grows up. So that's all we have for today. We'll see you next Saturday, which I believe I'm going to be gone. So Jordan's either going to do a solo show or look for a guest host because I don't know what's going on with our schedule. It's crazy, but you will see Saturday morning D and D show next week. Keep an eye out. Thanks for coming. And we'll see you in the next one. Bye. Our intro and outro music is 8-Bit March by Twin Musicom, licensed under Creative Commons. Check out their website at www.twinmusicom.org.